podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They called him the Lion of Kent. At six foot two and 135 kilogram in his heyday, Alfred Min was humongous. And of any man to popularise cricket protection, he would seem the most likely. His philosophy was simple. Beef and beer are the things to play cricket on. And he never cared much about his weight, for he lived in those innocent days where words like triglyceride were mostly unknown to the world. Alfred Wren liked to eat, drink and play cricket. And because he was quite literally and figuratively larger than life, when he changed how he played cricket, so did everyone else. This is Double Century, the podcast on the history of cricket. This season, we wanted to visit some of the weirdest stories in our game. Cricket has a unique ability to meld itself into cultures, even outside of sport, and produce wild tales. So this season will include theatre, sausages, dogs, and perhaps the most famous disability match ever played. But this episode is on the birth of cricket bats. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, giving you even more specialized support than ever before, like access to the trade desk. Our team of passionate traders ready to tackle anything from the most complex trading questions to a simple strategy gut check. Need assistance? No problem. Get 24-7 professional answers and live help and access support by phone, email, and in-platform chat. That's how Schwab is here for you, to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com trading. Alfred Bin was coached by John Wiles, who is the man who probably did the most for bowling overarm in cricket. And because of that, Min took to round-arm bowling himself. He was genuinely quick with the ball, terrorising batters across the country. Sporting Life wrote in his obituary, Away shot the ball, as if propelled from a Whitworth gun, and if straight, woe to the unlucky opposite wicket. Simon Wilde in his book said, The speed at which Min bowled and his life-size personality captured the imagination of the public in a way no cricketer had before. John Woodcock had him ranked as the fourth greatest cricketer all time in his book. Fred Gale wrote in Echoes from Old Cricket Fields, I must see another man who stands six foot two of gigantic but symmetrical figure standing up to his full height, taking six stately steps to the wicket and bringing his arm around well below the shoulder and sending the ball down like a flash of lightning dead on the wicket before I can ever believe there has ever been a greater cricketer than Alfred Min. In 213 first-class matches, Min captured 1,038 wickets at 10.22. A whopping 63% of those were bowled. In all cricket, his numbers read 1,330 wickets at 9.31. He could also bat 
he hit the ball extremely hard, and his 4,955 runs came at 13.42, which is pretty acceptable for that era. His all-round abilities made him invaluable, especially in the single-wicket contests that were a common feature of that period. Despite being the Lion of Kent, he also played for Sussex, the MCC, Gentlemen, South of England, and the All-England Eleven. And it would not be an exaggeration to call him the most iconic player of cricket until WG Grace arrived. Although I've said a lot about Min himself, how about William Jeffrey Prowse comes in with his tall and stately presence and his nobly moulded form and his broad hand was ever open and his brave heart was ever warm. All were proud of him, all loved him as the changing seasons pass, as our champion lies asleeping underneath the Kentish grass. Proudly, sadly, we will never name him. To forget him were a sin. Lightly lie the turf upon thee, kind and manly, Alfred Min. So you can tell people kind of liked him a little bit. But the game that we're talking about was from 1836, and Min was in pretty good touch that summer. In the previous match just a week back, he had pulled off a victory against Sussex at Brighton almost single-handedly. He scored 45 as the MCC were bowled out for 93, but then took four wickets to restrict the lead to 47. When he went back into bat, he made 92, and the MCC were bowled out for 176, and Sussex, chasing 130, were bowled out for 122. Min would take nine wickets in that match, seven of which were bold to go along with his 45 and 92 runs. I mean, he was in pretty good form. But this match was between the north and south of England, and it was typically a much-anticipated one. This one would be played at Leicester and featured some of the champions of the era. The south team had Min, but they also had the round-up meeting pacer William Lillywhite. The north team had Samuel Redgate. Some said he was as fast as Min. They also had Philip Pilch, who was the greatest batter before Grace. There was a weird aspect to this game as well. Lord Frederick Beaukirk was the captain of the South Eleven, while Benjamin Aslaby led the North. Both men had come from London specifically for the match. However, there was a catch. They were non-playing captains who led their sides from the marquees that passed next to the pavilion. And just before this game, something quite weird happened. There was a Leicestershire professional doing some warm-ups, and they had struck Min on his ankle, and apparently it was a horrific blow. Most people would have refused to play in the game, but Min decided to carry on. However, he was sent back to Anchor Inn to have his swelling ankle looked after. Thankfully, Lord Beauclerk elected to bat, and though the South lost four quick wickets, Ned Winman and George Milliard batted on quite well. So at stumps, South were 97 for six, but Min didn't see any of this. Two more wickets fell the next morning, and Min emerged with a runner and scored an unbeaten 21. He was left stranded as South were bowled out for 165. The other fast bowler, Redgate, finished with five wickets. Thankfully, at this point, Lily White was in equally good form to Min, and it seemed South could pull it off without him having to bowl. Only Dearman and Redgate made any runs, as they lost their first seven wickets quite quickly. Unfortunately for South, Lily White and James Cobbett couldn't completely run through the team, and so they had to ask Min and Milliard to come on and bowl. The question is, how could Min bowl? He couldn't even do his normal six-pace run-up. And yet, he had Dearman caught by Thomas Beagley soon after. Milliard bowled Redgate, and Min ran through Charles Cresswell's defence to finish the innings off. This meant at the halfway point, South led by 55. But unfortunately, when they went out to bat, they lost three quick wickets, and that meant that Min had to come out and bat with Ned Wenman, the gloveman. According to David Trith's book, The Fast Man, Min's leg by the third day had swollen alarmingly, and a normal being would have withdrawn from the match. But he limped out to bat for the fall of the third wicket, 
and in constant agony hit the bowling all over the field. Remember, Redgate was bowling very, very fast and he hit Min several times, but Min just dominated. Redgate later confessed that no bowler was spared as Min blundered his way to 125 not out and South scored 314. And Min had not used a leg guard, which is why his leg took so much damage. And there's something else weird about this, though details regarding runners are not always available. Bill Frindle once confirmed that he believed this was the first first-class 100 scored with a runner in cricket. As Min stumbled off the field, Lord Beauclerk came over to greet him. Beauclerk was someone who did not believe in cricket pads at all, yet when he saw Min's leg, he was horrified. Frith wrote, A fearful sight met their eyes as Min removed his trousers. This leg, which was already the size of a Goliath, was grotesque and swelling from inflammation. It was unbelievable that a man could have stood on it, let alone batted against one of the fastest bowlers in the world for five hours. At this point, everyone at the ground realised that Min had to be rushed to the hospital. A stagecoach was summoned, but a new problem arose. The incredible frame of Min was so big and inflexible that they couldn't actually work out how they could get him inside the stagecoach. The problem was eventually solved by placing this humongous man on the roof of the stagecoach. Now he had a hundred mile journey on terrible roads while his leg was still in absolute agony. When he got to London, he arrived at the Angle Tavern and it was there that he met Dr. Bainbridge and the surgeon Lawrence, who at that point just thought that the best thing to do was to amputate the leg. Of course, remember, this was the mid-1800s. They kind of thought that was almost always the option. The deeply religious men even asked for some time to say his prayers. But as the story goes, it was during these prayers that he decided against the amputation and he shifted to St. Bartholomew's, the oldest hospital in Europe instead. Back in Leicester, the game actually continued and the South won very, very easily. But that isn't what this story is about. You have to remember that leg guards, as they were originally called, were looked down on by the purists. As I said, Lord Beauclerk, the captain of Min, was one of the people who was very much against it. We believe that Nicholas Felix was probably the first person to use these pads while batting, and Fuller Pilch also used them, but they weren't something that all cricketers did. And when cricket was underarm, that probably made a little bit more sense. But as roundarm bowling and even overarm bowling was coming in, the pace was going up much quicker. So at that point, it made sense that even when Min was injured, that he still wasn't using pads at that point. But after that game, batters certainly started using them a lot more frequently, and they became an essential part of the batter's kit, as did stories about Min's leg. There is even a story in the game of cricket that Min gifted Grace one of his pads. Though this makes an excellent story, it doesn't actually seem that it ever happened. The injury was so bad that Min did not play again until 1838 and his career was never the same. By 1842, he was involved in match-fixing, and he was a very poor man. But one way he made money towards the end of his career was to act, and when he was in plays, he would always be the strong man. One of his main roles was Hercules. And maybe this was all part of the reason that Min was the man to help bring pads to cricket. After all, if not even the Lion of Kent and cricket's Hercules could handle a cricket ball hitting his leg, how could the rest of us survive? Thanks for listening to Double Century. This podcast was made entirely possible by our supporters at Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Double Century is a podcast narrated, produced, and co-written by me, Jared Kimber. Abhishek Mukherjee is the main writer, and Nick McCorriston edits, mixes, and co-produces the show. Sports Social Podcast Network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? 
Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.